0: Welcome to The Highway Church Podcast. We pray that this message inspires you today. Fantastic. We're going to get straight into it this morning, Church. Why don't you grab a seat? Thanks team, that was beautiful worship this morning. If you have your Bibles, why don't you open it, or maybe your app, why don't you open your up to 2 Kings chapter four, and we're going to read from there. 2 Kings chapter four. 2 Kings. Chapter 4. If you've been around, Pastor Boronan launched the vision at the start of Feb, and we were talking about making room this year. You may have seen it on some of our stuff, but we are making room. Can I just have the house lights up a little bit, Caleb, if that's okay? Um, 2 Kings 4, verse 1 says this A certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophet cried out to Elisha, saying, Your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that your servant feared the Lord, and the creditor is coming to take my two sons. To be his slaves. Uh, What we're gonna do today is I'm just gonna go through these first seven verses of 2 Kings chapter 4. We're gonna have a bit of a chat and then we're gonna see what God wants to do. Is that okay? The first thing I notice here in this scripture is the first thing that we observe is that it says here that 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 your servant, that, that this guy was one of the sons of the prophets. What does that mean? Maybe some say that he was part of the school of the prophets but that he was a servant or that he was in the will of God, that he was faithful, that he was serving God. The sons of prophets were groups of disciples who met together to worship the Lord and receive instruction under the direction of the prophets. He was in the plan of God, yet the situation didn't end well for his family. Do you know that sometimes we can be in the plan and in pain? Sometimes we say yes, to God, thinking that that would be like the end of our troubles or the end of our pain in life, yet we can be in the will of God, we can be in the calling of God and still go through grief, loss and debt. I'm sorry, but bad things happen to good people. Who came to hear that this morning? You can leave now, thank you for coming. No, it gets better than that. But bad things do happen to good people. It's part of our fallen world. You see this prophet, this widow here, she found herself with a husband that served the Lord, yet he had passed away and they were in dire straits and they needed a miracle in their situation. Do you know that sometimes we find ourselves in tough situations on no fault of our own? On no fault of your own. Maybe you may be in a situation today and you're like, God, what did I do to deserve this? Nothing. Sometimes life just happens and we find ourselves in bad situations. You see, the risk here was that it said that her sons were about to be taken into slavery. The creditors had a legal right to take her sons because their labor had a commercial value to it. That was all she had. Her sons, the legacy was commercial value. Their sons would work to pay off the debt. This is us pre-Christ, isn't it? That we were all slaves to sin for a price that we could not pay. Hidden behind this story here of the widow's oil is actually the gospel message. We're stuck with no way out with a debt that we could not pay. And we're stuck with, uh, Romans says, Paul in Romans says that we were slaves to sin. This is us pre-Christ, not simply a risk of becoming slaves, but we are slaves or were slaves to sin, should I say. John eight thirty four says this, Jesus answered that most assuredly, I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin, and a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. Therefore, if the son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. Do you know the gospel is good news? The gospel message is good news. The story of this woman and this widow and her family being released, I pray that it's the story of our families. That, hey, I once was stuck in slavery. I once was stuck in a situation that I could not get out of but God. But God. We also know that sin leads to death. I mentioned it before, Romans 6.23. The wages of sin is death. But the free gift, someone say free gift. The free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Let's read on, verse number two, 2 Kings 4. So Elisha said to her, what shall I do for you? Who would love that? The prophet, what shall I do? Well, I'm glad you asked. It reminds me of like Aladdin or something, some genie moment. Don't we sometimes wish that God worked like that? That's like, oh wow, you appeared, God. Okay, give me my three wishes and then all my wildest dreams will be true and then it'll be, all be good. But it doesn't seem to work like that. Elisha said to this woman, what shall I do for you? This reminds me of Jesus when he meets blind Bartimaeus. Do you know the story? And he says, what do you want me to do for you, Bartimaeus? And Bart's like, isn't this obvious? Like, I I would really like to see, Lord. Let's read it in, in, I'm going to read from Mark 10, 51. So Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? The blind man said, Bart, that I may receive my sight, or teacher, rabbi, rabboni, that I may receive my sight. Church, you know there's power sometimes in saying, hey God, this is what I need. That's a faith confession. You see, we're used to confession, in my mind anyway, going to a Catholic high school, it's in a dark room with a priest saying, Father, forgive me for I've done this, I've done that, I've done this, that's part of confession. Confession. And I do that with God in my own personal life right now, my own salvation. Hey, God, I've stuffed up. Please forgive me. I don't, but there's another side to confession. It's called faith-filled confession. And not only does it speak and apologize for the things where we've missed the mark, but it speaks faith to the future. It says, hey, I need breakthrough here. I want to see, says Bart, The woman wanted her debt, or, or hope at least, that her debt could be paid that her sons would not face a life of slavery ahead. What shall I do for you? Bart wanted to see again. The woman wanted her debt paid or just just from the situation that she was in, she just wanted hope that things could change. Elisha goes on to say, what do you want me to do for you? Then he says, uh, "What? tell me, what do you have in your house? What do you have in your house you know that God uses what we have who's experienced that her response was I have a little oil sometimes all we have is a little and God uses our little this oil was olive oil who likes olive oil who's indifferent Kim's a bit of a coconut oil fan at the moment anyone using that at home doesn't taste the same But all she had was this little bit of oil, this little bit of anointing oil they think it was, like a little flask of oil, this little bit of olive oil. I'm not sure why she kept it. My thoughts are maybe it reminded her of a husband. Maybe if he was one of the sons of the prophet, maybe there was a moment when he was anointed or or he anointed someone. Maybe it was so like it had a memory attached to it of her husband. Maybe it was the most valuable thing. It obviously was the most valuable thing she had, but for her to keep it this long and get to the point that the creditors are about to take her sons away and this is all she has left means that it had significant value to this woman. It was anointing oil. Anointing in the Bible means it's like this process of setting apart. Marking something as holy. We see this as, you know, like King David was anointed in the field, setting apart for the work of God and holy future. Let's read on. Verse 3, 2 Kings 4, 3. Then he said, go borrow vessels from everywhere, from all your neighbors, empty vessels. Do not gather just a few. She went and borrowed vessels, her and her sons. They gathered the vessels, not just a few. I love how God does more than we think. This year we've titled it Make Room, our senior pastors have for this year. Can I encourage us, church, this family, they had to make room. You know the end of the story where the oil fills up all the vessels that they'd gathered. They made room for more of God in their lives. Would we be people that would increase our capacity so that we can see more of God at work in our lives? I want to be someone that can. I want to be someone that says, hey God, not just a few in my life, But God, would you pour out more? Not so I can contain it, but God, that I can be a container for you. You pour in, I'll pour out. Not just a few. God calls us to bigger things than ourselves, which forces reliance on him. And can I encourage you, a life reliant on God is the safest place to be. I can tell in my own life, and I bet you have stories too, that the moment that we think, I can do this, hey, God, I've got this. It's not Jesus take the wheel anymore, it's Caleb take the wheel. I got this, God. Who knows that's a dangerous place to be? Now, God calls us to things that are bigger than ourselves that we can rely on Him because He wants to do life with us. He wants to say, hey, Caleb, lean on me. I'll do life with you. Let's read on. Verse uh, 4, and when we have come in, and when you have come in, you shall shut the door behind you and your sons. Then pour it into all those vessels and set aside the full ones. I like how Elisha says here, shut the door. Yeah. Who's got a private place with God in their life? Who, who has that that moment where it's like, hey, you know what, God? I'm going to shut out distractions for this moment. I don't care what the other people think. I'm not doing this as a show. This isn't my moment in church so people can see how hollow I am. No, 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 God, this is a moment of privacy. You see, intimacy happens behind closed doors, doesn't it? It's this moment where we get alone with God. It's this moment where we say, hey God, I am here to meet with you. I'm shutting out the distractions. Many times it's the private victory that precedes the public one. We have too many examples and situations of followers of Christ in our world that don't have this private moment with God, they don't have this private relationship with God, and then when they get too much for them to handle, they have a fall from grace, we call it, because they haven't won the private victory, they haven't done the work in the secret place to set them up for what God has next in their lives. When was the last time you got alone with God? And say, hey God, I'm shutting the door to this, and I'm going to do some business with you. You give it to me, I'll use it. What have we been inviting into our secret places? I wonder what it would look like right now if we'd just do a heart check right now and a mind check, hey God, in this secret place. I know you know what I'm thinking anyway. I know you know the innermost thoughts of my mind and the innermost desires of my heart. God, search me right now in this moment and if there's anything that doesn't please you, God, speak to me. I give you authority in the private places of my life to transform me, God. We need to be people that would shut the door and have moments with God. Can I encourage you this week? Find a moment in your schedule. Whatever you need to do. For us, unfortunately, we need to distract the kids with something sometimes. Do it. They will survive. And hey, God, I'm getting with you. God, I desire you more than the answer to my prayer. I desire you more than the outcome that I'm chasing. God, I desire to meet with you. Shut the door. Then, he told, then Elisha told the woman to pour it out. What? This is the most valuable thing she owned. Pour it out? This is scary because it's all she had. It required faith and trust. Are we willing... To sacrifice all that we have, if God says, "Are we?" Would I have pulled it out? I don't know. I don't like. But God, this is all I've got. You see, it required faith. It required trust. What are we holding on to that God is asking us to pour out? Because my experience tells me that when God prompts us to pour something out, He's faithful. He is faithful. Elisha tells the next, set the four ones aside. This is my message kind of from last Sunday, 5 p.m., that God fills empty. Do you know you're in a good place if you're empty? Are we still trying to fill full vessels? In different seasons, God moves in different ways. Have you experienced that? Find out what he's filling now and position ourselves to receive something fresh from him. Miracles seem to follow need, have you noticed? Miracles seem to follow need. It wasn't 2020 vision Bartimaeus that Jesus came and said, What do you want me to do for you? No, it was blind Bartimaeus. It wasn't a rich widow <laughs> that Elisha came and said, What do you want me to do for you? No, sometimes the miraculous of God follows the need. Can I encourage us? Let's need more of God in our lives. Let's position ourselves for more of him. Let's read on in verse 5. So she went from him and shut the door behind her and her sons who brought the vessels with her and she poured it out. One word for this verse. Obedience. Stop asking for a fresh word from God. That's going to sound harsh if you haven't fulfilled the previous ones. So I've been guilty of this in times. God, you know, I wear my loudest shirt when the prophet's in the building. No, that's a joke. Thank you for one laugh. God, I need a fresh word from you, but have I been faithful and obedient with what he's already given us? Can I encourage you? Obedience is not a bad word. Obedience isn't always fun. It's not always Instagrammable, but can I encourage you? It positions ourselves for the best that God has for us. As I was praying, I really felt that, that someone needs to stop waiting for a new and be faithful to the old be fulfilled the undone. For us to be obedient, we're not only hearers of the word, but doers. The other thing I like in the story is the widow got to touch the miracle. Her sons got to touch the miraculous. There's a generational blessing here when we're faithful to what God has for us. When we walk in obedience, I believe that it's a blessing, not just on us, that we get to be a part of what God's doing, but our generations to come. Who needs to hear that? Can I encourage you? Your faithfulness, your faithfulness plants seeds for the generations that follow. Maybe you're here and you're going, Caleb, that's easy for you, you to say. Your kids aren't old enough to make decisions for themselves yet. But do you know your position is? one of faith. Mm-hmm. Hey God, I, I'm praying and I'm believing that those seeds that you've placed in my kids' life, if they're far from you, God, God I pray and I, I water them with my prayers right now. God, I fertilize them with my faith, and I believe, God, that you will, Lord, that you have my kids, Lord, that you have them in your hands. There is faithful obedience between the highlight reels. Verse six, let's read on. Now it came to pass when the vessels were full that she said to her son, bring me another vessel. And he said to her, there is not another vessel. The oil ceased. You see, the oil stopped when the capacity was reached. Charles Charles Spurgeon on this scripture, he says this, it is not our emptiness, but our fullness, which can hinder the outgoings of free grace. It's not our emptiness, but it's our fullness, which can hinder the outgoings of free grace. Can I encourage you? The emptiness isn't the problem. Because God fills empty things. Maybe our oil has ceased because we've been trying to contain what God's done in the past. There's no waste in God. You want more love? Give more love. You want more grace? Be more gracious. Our faith fails, not his promises. Our faith fails, not his promises. He fills to our capacity. We can increase our capacity. That's what we're, all this year is about. It's about making room for more of God in our lives. That's why we're in a season of prayer and fasting as a church because we believe, God, that when we go out physically, we bring our spirit in alignment to who you are. We empty out of the flesh. We, we, give, we give away to the desires of the flesh. And, God, we desire more of you. We increase our capacity. I am not who I was. I'm not who I was. I shouldn't be the same Caleb I was last year. You shouldn't be the same person you were last year because we believe that God is creating something new in and through us daily. So times out by 365, I'm not the same person I was last year. Why? Because God's doing a new thing in my life and I'm allowing Him and I'm saying yes and I'm being obedient to what He's called me to do. Therefore, over time, we change. Hopefully more to the image like Christ. Can I get an amen? amen? Verse 7. Then she came and told the man of God, and he said, Go sell the oil and pay your debt, and you and your sons live on the rest. Sell the oil, pay the debt, a debt she could not pay. I've mentioned this before, but hidden beneath the surface of this passage is the gospel message. A price we could not pay. This was her salvation. This, this oil was her salvation. Romans 6, I've already mentioned that, the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life. Colossians 1.13, I'm going to read from the message paraphrase, it says this, God rescued us from dead-end alleys and dark dungeons. He set us up in the kingdom of the Son He loves so much. The Son who got us out of the pit we we're in got rid of the sins we were doomed to keep repeating. It gets better than what you have experienced, church. If through this miracle, there was only enough to pay the family debt, it would still be a good story. Would you agree? Hey, the sons don't need to go into slavery. Awesome. Let's go get some jobs. Let's, you know, get ourselves back on our feet. No, 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 but it's better than that. I love this statement. And this is the whole line of my whole message. It says, live on the rest. Do you know that salvation is awesome? It's a miracle, but there is more than salvation. There is more. God's calling his church to live on the rest. Salvation is great, yes. It's accessed by grace through faith. Yes, I have salvation. Thank you, Lord. But you know what? There's more. There is more. There is more. There is more. It gets better than what you've experienced. If Christ only came to break the hold of sin on humanity, it would be good. But it's better than that. Let me show you. This oil was olive oil. I've talked about that. I research how to make olive oil. Who's made olive oil before? Anyone? Yep, you're in good company, neither have I. But the first job was this, crush or press the olives. Step one, crush or press the olives. Makes sense, doesn't it? Who's an olive fan? I feel like olives are very divisive. People love them or loathe them, would you agree? (laughs) Step one in making olive oil is crush the olives, press the olives. A well-known location in the Bible is the Garden of Gethsemane. You will know this name as a place where Jesus prayed with his disciples, the place Judas led the temple guard to arrest Jesus and ultimately lead to the crucifixion of Jesus. I'd like to read a little bit of a passage from this, uh, this, this moment in the Garden of Gethsemane. And you're ready? This is what it says, Matthew 26, 36. Then Jesus came with them to the place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee. And he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. Then he said to them, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch with me. He went on a little farther and fell on his face and prayed, saying, "O oh, father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Then he came to his disciples and found them sleeping, and he said to Peter, What? What? Could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, a second time he went away and prayed, saying, "O oh, Father, if this cup cannot pass away from me unless I drink it, your will be done." In Luke 22:44, 44, this same passage, this same event was recorded like this by Dr. Luke. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. Then his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. This is Jesus' moment in Gethsemane. Do you know what the Aramaic translation of Gethsemane is? It's oil press. Jesus was being pressed in this moment. He was saying, hey... <laughs> God, if it's possible, take this cup from me. God, I'm being crushed. <laughs> Isn't this not what Isaiah wrote? 53.5, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was put on him, and by his wounds we are healed. Jesus was crushed, why? So that oil could flow. So that oil could flow. Oil also represents in the Bible, Holy Spirit. This is why Jesus is like, hey guys, I want to stay with you disciples. God knows you need it. I know you need it because I'm God. Don't worry. Distracting myself. He said, hey, but I'm sending the Holy Spirit. I'm sending the oil. I'm about to pour out the oil. There was pressure that caused Jesus to sweat drops of blood. There was a crushing where Jesus' body was broken and his blood shed to pay the debt of humanity's sins, but there is left over. I am forgiven. Our debt has been paid. He was crushed to pay the price so that we could be in right standing with God, the Father, also so that we could carry the oil Oil represents his presence, the presence of God. It represents anointing like I also talked about, but it also represents Holy Spirit. But the problem with Holy Spirit is the first word, holy. Do you know what his spirit inhabits? Holy. We see this in the old temple structure in the Old Testament. There was this place where the presence of God lived and it was the holy of holies. And the priest would go through all these rites and rituals to make themselves clean so that they could walk into the presence of God. Jesus was crushed to pay the debt that we could not pay so that we could be made right in Christ so that God wouldn't see us as sinners, that he wouldn't see us as dirty, guilty, shameful. No, he would see us through this filter of his son that paid a price for us so that we would be, what is it, took, sorry, He took him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of Christ in him. So God sees us through this filter of his son, Jesus, so you're holy. Not because of what you've done, but because of what Christ did for us. And do you know what? If we're holy, do you know what that means? His spirit comes in us. That we're the earthen vessels that his spirit dwells in, that we are these empty jars that the widow and her sons gathered, that, sh- that God could pour out the oil into us. We get to live on the rest. There is oil for you today. There is a better life available for you today. We're coming into Easter. This week was the start of Lent. We remember what Jesus did. But not only save, but can I encourage you? Be filled. Be filled. The Spirit in you. God forgave us. But not only did He forgive us, He forgives us. God did miracles, but He is doing miracles. God loved us, but he continues to love. He poured out grace, and he is gracing me daily. God blessed us, but he continues to pour out blessing upon us. He's healed us. That's what it says. You were healed in Isaiah 53, verse 5. But he continues to heal. He restored, but he continues to restore. He spoke, and he continues to speak. So my question is this who needs fresh oil today? Can we just close our eyes and bow our heads for a moment? This is not a salvation moment. This is a hey God, I need more oil moment. My message, if I could summarize it in a few lines, it would be this: God gave his best so we could receive his best. There is more than enough oil. To wipe out your past, but also to transform our future. If you're dry, if you feel empty this morning, if you just want a fresh touch of God, would you just raise your hand so I could pray with you? Like I said, this is not a salvation moment, this is a, hey God, in 2024, I just want more of your presence. God, in 2024, I want more oil in my life. In 2024, God, I will position myself to receive more. God, I want a bigger capacity for more of your goodness. God, I want your presence in my home like I've experienced it before. God, I want you to act on my kids. God, so right now we just lift up every empty vessel to you. And God, I just pray, Lord, right in this moment, supernaturally, God, that you would pour out fresh oil. God, fresh oil. God, we prophesy healing right now, God. God, we speak fresh favor in Jesus' name. God, we speak debts, Lord, debts to be wiped, Lord. Just like it said here, God, debt to be wiped. A debt we could not pay, our sin gone. Shame gone. Brokenness gone and wholeness come, Lord. God, I just pray over the future of every individual here and online, God. God, I just pray, Lord, for a fresh impartation of your spirit. God, I pray, Lord, that we would be people, Lord, that would shut the door and get in a private place with you, God, and you would do a work in and through us, we pray. Jesus, I thank you, Lord, that you were crushed, not only so we could be saved, but, God, that we could live on the rest. Holy Spirit, would you fill us with your oil afresh? Fill us with your oil afresh in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Dan. We hoped you love that message. If you want any more information about us, head to highway.com.au.